we are going to give you your 2025 must own value picks at the running back position. Five uh, of really them. Really excited about five yeah, of them. Not- hey. I'm, yeah, like I was Jer- willing the, to go there you with You are Chelsea, the Jerry but... Jones of the Fantasy Whispers. Listen, listen. But he's right, and he's got me back in his good graces, so here I am. A.J. Brown has been, like you alluded to, he's been going and being disrespected in a lot of mock drafts, and I think it's a travesty. It would be really nice for a guy, like you said, that's getting top five carries in the NFL right now. A.J., uh, or you mean Antonio Brown. Or Antonio yeah. Brown, yeah. Sorry, yeah, don't, I don't sure. wish that juju I know. on A.J. Brown. Don't do that. Don't do that. No. <laughs> Darren Sproles-type scatback or Danny Woodhead's-type scatback. He needs to be more compared to a guy like Alvin Kamara than anything. Yeah. Chris Carson, who had 46 targets last year, and you could definitely see that going up. Fresher, more dynamic version of Damian Williams in this offense. The upside is through the roof. Like, this is a guy that could win you your league if the cards go right. Yes, we're back again. We're back again. Hey, let's pump up the volume. Right here. What's up, Whisper Nation? It's Wednesday, May 27th, and you're listening to episode 101 of the Fantasy Whisper with your hosts, Johnny Gametime Hicks, Big Travi, and me, Chelsea. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at TF Whispers. You can also find us on YouTube and Instagram at The Fantasy Whispers, and you should definitely visit the website, thefantasywhispers.com, where we have articles, our latest episodes, as well as a bunch of fresh swag. And if you want to support our show, you can sign up as a patron of the Fantasy Whispers, where you'll gain access to a ton of bonus content. So head on over to patreon.com and search the Fantasy Whispers today. What? We're back. Back at it. We're on the other side of 100 episodes now, so I feel like that needs to be uh, mentioned. Like, a huge milestone, and we made it through. Like, we didn't die after 100 episodes, so that's, like, good. No, and we didn't call it quits either. We're we're keeping it going. We yet. won't get to two hundred. What do you mean yet? Uh, well, there's some Not... contractual disputes with my oh, agent. And unbelievable, you, so like, dude! You're yeah. just like the rest of them. <laughs> Money, power, hungry, and yeah. we got Chelsea back on for another episode. Chelsea, yeah, welcome che- in. Chelsea, you. on the other hand, is the perfect employee. So welcome back, Chelsea, my favorite employee at TF Whispers. <laughs> You would say something like that after a week's holdout. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Contractual disputes everywhere, and he's trying to act like they never happened. Hey, I'm, yeah, like I was ge- willing the, to go there You with are Chelsea, the Jerry but... Jones of the Fantasy Whispers. Listen, listen. But he's right, and he's got me back in his good graces, so here I am. Yeah, exactly. Oh, She's the one. Hey, yeah. she pulls all the levers. You don't you don't do very her camera's much. Not on, do her very camera's much. not on what you would see a lot of brown on her nose right now if it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But uh really excited about today's show, guys. If you are listening to the show and this is your first time, please like and subscribe on YouTube. Um uh we'd we'd love to have you over there on that community as well. If you're listening to the show via audio, please follow. Uh, download the episodes so that you get the notifications when these come out. And if you would be so kind to leave us a review, we would love that. Um, as Chelsea mentioned, you could head over to the website and pick up all of that fresh swag. And uh, yeah, so excited about this show. Today, we're going to get into a couple topics that we found pretty interesting on Reddit. But also, we are going to give you your 2025 must-own value picks at the running back position. Five uh, of really them. really excited about Five yeah, of them. Not, 
not one, not two, not three, not four, but five. Uh, we're going to give you all five today. We're excited about that. Um, but first, let's jump into some of these Reddit topics, Johnny. And this one's probably one that we've been waiting to do, or well, we've actually talked about A.J. Brown for a little bit in mm -hmm. every episode almost this offseason. And it's still not hitting home because we're still seeing him in mock drafts go a little too late. So, Johnny, A.J. Brown, let's talk about A.J. Brown and really just let me know, is A.J. Brown a top 10 wide receiver in 2020? So A.J. Brown has been, like you alluded to, he's been going and being disrespected in a lot of mock drafts, and I think it's a travesty. I think it's a travesty uh. because this guy, people do not realize just how good he was last year uh, near the end. We have to remember that Marcus Mariota was this guy's starting quarterback through the first six weeks. Uh, they did not get Ryan Tannehill in until week seven, and then they had a bye in week 10. So, um, I, and I tweeted this out uh, the other day. So, if you're not following us at TF Whispers, make sure you're doing that. Um, I tweeted this out the other day because a lot of people are down on AJ Brown, and they're like, yeah, he could be a top 15 wide receiver, but I think that that's a ceiling. People, do you not realize what he was doing with Ryan Tannehill last year down the stretch? From weeks, let me let me pull this up here. I'm trying to buy some time. Uh, but down the stretch, A.J. Brown was getting peppered with targets. He averaged uh, from weeks from weeks 10 to 16 or 11 to 16. If you just extrapolate those uh, those weeks, he was the wide receiver four during that time. And if you go from weeks eight all the way to 16, so you give Ryan Tannehill that first kind of game to get back on, under his belt, you know, and you just go from weeks eight to 16. Remember, they did have the buy, so I'll include that. And he still finished as the wide receiver uh, eight. So he definitely can be a top 10 wide receiver if you extrapolate that over an entire season with Ryan Tannehill now for sure getting his contract extension. Uh, this guy's getting 20% market share. I expect that to go up because this guy is going to get better. Remember last year was his rookie year. He only got 84 targets, Travis. Um, and so you yeah, look the, the efficiency metrics are off the charts for AJ Brown, right? I mean, like 20.2 yards per reception. Uh, that was second best. 12.5 yards per target. That was second best. 3.46 yards per pass route. That was second best. So we're talking about a guy that not only gets down the field, but then, as you said, was getting a market share that's really high. And mm -hmm. now with a full year with Tannehill under his belt, you get a, a high market share, high efficiency numbers like he should be locked in to a top 12 as a number one wide receiver. And he's going later than he needs to in drafts. And you guys, you know, fantasy, the fantasy community, the Whisper Nation can really capitalize on this yeah he's going super you know in the fifth round uh, i had some people ask what would they you know would you go into the fourth round for aj brown and i absolutely i would listen i think his talent is there i think next year when we're doing this same same draft we're going to be talking about aj brown going in the second round next year that's how much i think he is going to make a jump uh this year and you're definitely going to want him on your fantasy roster uh this year in 2020 yeah, I mean, he's going behind guys like Debo Samuel, uh, Tyler Lockett, 
DK Metcalf. I would take him above all these guys yeah. in a heartbeat. Um, and you know, those guys are going in the third round at the end of the third. It's absurd. Uh, even T Y Hilton, who's behind you on your, on your Jersey wall there. Like I would even consider AJ Brown over T Y Hilton because of the upside purely alone. Um, and the values there. So make sure you're keeping an eye on AJ Brown and where his ADP is and being willing to take him maybe around before everybody else in your draft. And listen, I get the main argument that people are going to say, oh, this is not a pass heavy offense, that it's a run first, Derrick Henry, all that. And that's OK. It can be that. But the number one wide receiver for them is going. It's not going to be Corey Davis. We've we've been down that. That's not unless he pulls another Devonte Parker, which I doubt it. You know, spends five years in the league and finally breaks out. Uh, AJ Brown is their wide receiver one. You are good to have a wide receiver one on a not yeah, as I mean, pass friendly. Think of think of the Green Bay Packers. You or I'm, I'm even I'm even going later. Right. Think of the Dallas Cowboys with Des Bryant and Ezekiel Elliott when yep. Des Bryant was having his good, you know, his good games or DeMarco Murray. Even when DeMarco Murray was there, they yep. were a run heavy scheme under Jason Garrett. But Des Bryant was still a top 10, top five wide receiver at times. And I think that's where you can lean on. If he's the guy, if he's the one eating in that offense, it doesn't matter if he's the only one, if he's getting the numbers that he's getting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well. Moving on to a guy that A.J. Brown hopes he ends up as, or at least close to, yeah. Jerry Rice. Um, there was an awesome Reddit uh, thread talking about Jerry Rice and, and how good he was. It says, per, uh, this is posted by bald underscore man underscore cometh. Great, uh, great, great name there on Reddit. <laughs> uh, per pro football reference, between 1986 and 1995, Jerry Rice finished as the number one wide receiver eight times and the number two wide receiver twice. I don't know what scoring format that is based on, but if it's true, that is insane. Has another player had a similar run? And this got us thinking maybe of a run like that for a past player or a wide receiver uh, that you that was really near and dear to your heart. So, Johnny, my question is, who has been your favorite fantasy football wide receiver to own? Um, maybe for production similar to Rice or maybe just because this guy, you know, has an emotional attachment for you. Um, the only guy that, you know, I, I, we've been playing fantasy football for over 10 years now. So I kind of had to like go into my bag and, and see exactly which guy that I would want to talk about the most that I really had that connection with that was elite. Um, and I would, and I came with my, my, I had to go with my man right here when I got the little Funko doll, my man, Larry Fitzgerald. Um, when I first got I had a in, feeling you were going to go this way, when I first got into, um, uh, fantasy football, I didn't know a lot. You know, I knew some players, I didn't know a lot. And so, um, Larry Fitzgerald was actually the second pick that I took, uh, that year in the second round because he was going higher in drafts and, um, he ended up killing it that year. That was with the Kurt Warner days where, where, Fitz was, you know, getting all those long bombs and he did that for quite a few years. And I was able to have him uh, for two to three years consecutively uh, there in the beginning. And then I started to go away from the Cardinals players because they weren't they weren't playing that well for <laughs> fantasy. Uh, so that would be my answer. He he did produce uh, quite a quite a bit. And listen, up to two years ago, Larry Fitzgerald was still the wide receiver, you know, a, a, a wide receiver too, uh, that was going in the back half of draft. So uh, definitely love the run that Larry Legend has has had. He's uh, definitely a fan favorite, one of my favorite football players of all time. Love watching that guy. It's just been a lot of fun, and he was really really fun in, in fantasy too. Uh, but yeah, Travis, Larry, Larry Legend, man. Hey, I love that guy. That's a great pick, Johnny. Um, 
for me, I, I, I kept it, I kept it real. I kept it both ways. I, you know, I wanted a guy that produced, but I wanted a guy that I had had a, had a piece of in the past for sure. Um, and this guy's very near and dear to my heart and that's Calvin Megatron Johnson, man. Ooh, Calvin Johnson yeah. was one of just everybody, you know, especially in redraft leagues, wanted a chance to get Johnson in his, in his prime. And if you look at the stretch, uh, you know, like 731 catches over 11,000 yards, 83 touchdowns in his career. That's over 1,300 lifetime points in fantasy football for PPR. Between 2008 and 2013, Johnny, he was the number one wide receiver twice. He was the number three wide receiver twice. And he was the number six wide receiver in fantasy football. And he was on my first fantasy football championship as a uh, as somebody playing fantasy football my team was i had matt stafford and calvin johnson oh, we got calvin the double johnson. dip that chip yeah, yeah and that was uh aptly my name was double dip the ship uh nice so yeah it, it was uh it was a it was a good time i I love, true, I love having a piece of calvin johnson true confession i actually have never I never got to own any pieces of Calvin Johnson, unfortunately. Oh, man. Uh, because that was back kind of in the heyday of where it was like you needed to take a running back early. Like that was the whole thing was running back early, running back early. And so I never even gave a thought of going to Calvin Johnson ever because he was going in the back end of the first round. Um, and so unfortunately, I never got to own him. But he was you're right. He was so fun to watch. Um, yeah, I really like that. Chelsea, one. when when you, when we talk about this this topic of of a wide receiver or past historic or a guy that's near and dear to your heart do you have somebody that comes to mind for you oh that's so interesting um you know I don't think I've been in fantasy football long enough to have like a decade-long guy I was just thinking like what it would mean to have somebody on your roster especially in a dynasty format just to like luck out and get oh yeah right 10 years holy cow (laughs) Or some, I mean, I can't even think of a guy that's been as consistent or as prolific just in the duration of my time in fantasy football that's been like the overall guarantee that guy is going to go like first round forever. I mean, there's been those wide receivers, but 10 years, holy cow. That's I don't it. know. Yeah. And I'm trying to think now, like, you know, my question actually goes to like what rookies now or do you think have this type of like 10 year decade long potential? I like, like that. Yeah, you can staying right power. Now, if you, DJ exactly, Moore. You could put it. If you could put a bet on like which of the rookie class would be in our conversation as elite for the next decade. Yeah, and I think you got to look at it's not just the talent, right? You know, Johnny mentions DJ Moore, and I I would love if that was the case. But DJ Moore is tied to a guy like Teddy Bridgewater now. So do we Who really trust him? Fine, the... he is a Wait, good Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's he's good, but like Matt Stafford was tied to Calvin Johnson, who just yeah. throws the ball at an enormous rate down the field all the time. Jerry Rice was tied to two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Okay, right. and so that's why his consistency. So I love that oh, you yeah. love DJ Moore. No, no, no. I'm talking I, about yes. elite level okay. play for ten years. You got to be tied to somebody, right? So we got to be thinking about situation as far as uh, quarterback they're tied to and things like that. But yeah, I do agree with you in that. Yeah, I do agree with you in that. I don't think based on the NFL today, I'm not sure that we'll ever get that type of production ever again, where a wide receiver is the top of his, his, I mean, Julio Jones is, is is pretty close. AJ Brown was pretty close before he went psycho and AJ, uh, or you mean Antonio Brown or Antonio Brown? Yeah. Sorry. I don't wish that you on AJ Brown. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, (laughs) Those are all right. Comps, I'd say for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Julio is a guy that I would think of next is like, okay, yeah. this is the guy that maybe, you know, um, could get there. Um, and Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas has some staying power. It'll be interesting to see what happens after Drew Brees. 
Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Michael Thomas is a guy that's really building a repertoire up of consistent play. Uh, however deep his routes are uh, or however many Twitter battles he gets into. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to our next topic from Reddit. That's the Joe Mixon. Uh, you know, we wanted to talk a little bit about Joe Mixon's outlook for the 2020 season. So, Johnny, you know, looking at Joe Burrow coming in, look at the changes that they've done to the line. And then we saw this stat that's over here on, on Reddit uh, posted by uh, DFS and Donuts. I like that name, Ooh. too. Um, Joe Mixon finished with 313 touches, 1,425 yards, eight touchdowns. Not sure, he says, if his touchdowns will increase much either. In 2019, Mixon had the second most rushes inside the five-yard line. That's 16, but he only scored on four of those carries. So he wasn't able to convert a lot of those, but he did have some awesome numbers. Johnny, what is Joe Mixon's fantasy football outlook for 2020? I, I for, for Joe Mixon, you're going to get um, a lot of people who have like that sour, bitter taste in their mouth from Joe Mixon, similar to, you know, D, uh <clears throat> David Johnson, if I could talk this morning, uh, similar to uh, David Johnson, where people had these high expectations of these running backs. They drafted them. They didn't pan out or certainly pan out to the extent of the draft capital that you invested in them. So then people start retracting and then they get bitter towards a player. Listen, you look at what he is getting and you want the fantasy. You want the guys who are going to get the touches in fantasy football because the fan, the touches are going to lead to opportunities and the opportunities are lead lead to the fantasy scoring fantasy points. So when you're telling me a guy is getting, you know, over 250 carries in a, in a, in a season, and then you're adding on an, an additional 50 targets. Now I understand that. Listen, Joe Mixon has not been the biggest wide receiver out, out of the backfield there for the Bengals, but he certainly can do that. Like if you go back and watch his uh, sooner tape, like they were, he was catching balls out of the backfield. He can do that. So you're looking at a team who's getting Joe Burrow this year. They've added offensive weapons. This is uh, Kelly's second year or um, Taylor's second year in the league as head coach. So they'll have this offense a little bit more. You know, he'll know what to do. Let's remind ourselves he came from the L.A. Rams, uh, you know, Sean McVay coaching tree where they like to spread things out. I think they'll be able to do it now because they have the wide receiver options. You know, with A.J. Brown coming back, they drafted T. Higgins. They've got, you know, John Ross started to show signs. And so if you you add all those pieces up, you add the fact that they're they're getting back a first round uh, offensive uh, lineman that got injured last year. All these pieces are showing an uptick for Joe Mixon. And I think that Joe Mixon could be, he'll definitely be a top 10 running back for sure. He is my favorite running back to target at the end of uh, round one, because I think he is falling too far to me. Like I, I seriously would consider taking Joe Mixon over Alvin Kamara. And that's, and that's the truth. Yeah, that's, that's the truth. Yeah, I mean, I think there's sound logic there. If we look at actually Mixon's last, the year before last, 2018, he had a higher yard uh, per carry. He had higher touchdown rate. So I think that's what we can look on. It's it's not like he is destined to be the guy he was last year as far as only running for 4.1 yards per carry and only getting the five touchdowns as mentioned. I think he's closer to a guy that's going to get volume and should settle back into that median of, you know, eight to 10 touchdown range and a, a four to 
four and a half yards per carry, which is going to be really nice for a guy, like you said, that's getting top five carries in the NFL right now behind an improved line with an improved with improved or, you know, should be improved quarterback play with a healthy offensive weapons around him that should give him more opportunities to to continue to rush the ball mixing his poise for a good year still a good value we could have easily said even though he's going late first round early second that he is one of the top five values we're going to talk about today but he, he's definitely a guy that should be targeted and his outlook looks really good for 2020 not only that but think about this too dude uh, joe burrow Passes, he was passing to his running back in CH all the time in college, so oh, yeah. he it will translate into the NFL. So uh, this is going to be yeah. We talk about what you know what assists a young quarterback throwing to the tight end, throwing to the running back, yep. doing the easy dump off screens that you can get the ball out of your hands quickly and avoid the pass rush. Yep. So I I think he's got he's got a good outlook. Now talking about a guy that maybe had a good outlook coming into 2020 that might be a little impaired here. Chris Carson watches as the Seattle Seahawks sign. Carlos Hyde. Um, and so, Johnny, I think we need to talk about Chris Carson's outlook now that Carlos Hyde has been signed by the Seahawks. I mean, because Chris Carson, as violent as he runs and as injury prone as he may be, has continued to put up numbers in the NFL. Yeah, uh, you looked at at his his opportunities last year, 71.5% of the opportunity share there in Seattle. So he, he they want him to be the guy. He got uh, 73 Point nine percent snap share, which was good for seventh uh, among running backs. Wait, we know that they like Chris Carson there in Seattle. So with them, they need depth because we we've heard all these reports this whole time, this whole off season that one they were a little bit concerned with Chris Carson's um, injury because he got injured late with the hip, but it's looking like he's going to be fine and be ready to go by the start of the season. Um, but Penny, uh, Rashad Penny, on the other hand, is not they're not thinking he's going to be ready. So they needed a backup running back. Carlos Hyde is a good, solid running back that they could put in at the two position. But he also can't catch, which is going to be an interesting um, uh, dilemma there for for Seattle. Now, whether that's, you know, they bring it, they they have DJ Dallas there as well that they drafted. He can catch out of the backfield. So could he be that scat back? Possibly. But you could possibly be looking at a guy uh, in Chris Carson who had 46 targets last year. And you could definitely see that going up based on the fact that Rashad Penny uh, might not be coming back. um, uh, Rashad Penny might not be coming back so early in the season. I am starting to get on the bandwagon now that Chris Carson is going to be a value in fantasy drafts. Because of that fact, and and you you're getting but, Carlos Hyde but, coming in, yeah. But you're talking about getting Hyde as a value, maybe in addition to getting guy a guy like Chris Carson, right? You're talking about Chris Carson being still a productive piece of this offense, right? yeah. And I think that because and that comes from a fact that look, only three teams had more rushing yards and yards per game than the Seattle Seahawks in the NFL last year. We know what Schottenheimer wants to do; he wants to run the football and maybe with multiple backs and we taught you talked about penny and how this is really a depth play for them it doesn't mean carson is somehow gone now carson's going to do what he does and they're going to have a guy in hide who not only can maybe usher in 
Penny at a, at a slower pace. But also, if anything were to happen to Carson, he's going to step right into a role that he's comfortable with. If you look at what Carson was or what Hyde was able to do last year, not very sexy in Houston, but got a ton of carries and was a productive piece. You know, was an RB two, RB three for guys down the stretch, and was probably on a good amount of playoff fantasy football teams because of that. Uh, and so I think. Look, I wouldn't be scared at all for Chris Carson. I think this is really about a depth piece. If you're going to be scared about Chris Carson, it comes from injury. It doesn't come from from uh, Carlos Hyde. But also, it is there. Uh, it is Chris Carson's contract year. So we love to talk about how the contract year they like to perform a little bit better. So let's remember that as well. That it is it is Chris Carson's final year on his contract. Nothing's guaranteed after this. And Seattle really has been the only uh, only team that has really clung to him and and been like this is going to be our dude through everything. And so why would we turn our back on it now and say? oh just because they went out and got uh, Carlos Hyde that we should view this as like any slight towards Chris Carson it's just an insurance policy so uh, I do think that Chris Carson is starting to become a value in drafts uh, and, and let people you know hate on the fact that they got Carlos Hyde there yeah Chris Carson will be a nice target especially if you're going upside down in drafts uh, and you want to get a guy a little bit later hopefully the Hyde thing drives his value even even higher wow. or drives his ADP even lower. That would be nice. Yep. But speaking of value, we're going to move on to our feature presentation here. 2020, five must-owned fantasy value picks at the running back position. Johnny, we're going to start with a guy that maybe people were a little shocked with did so well last year. Uh, instead of my, Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler was the man that the Chargers relied on as Melvin Gordon pursued a, a bigger contract. And now with Melvin Gordon off to Denver, we've got to talk about Austin Eckler and how he's going at 3.10 for a guy that pretty much dominated the fantasy scene last year. I am. I It baffles me when I see Austin Eckler falling that late in drafts. Now, when we did our mock draft show, if you joined us for that on Monday, uh, the mock draft manias. Uh, which we appreciate you guys joining us for that. Uh, Eckler went significantly higher than that, and I think that's good because our our listeners are starting to get in tune with like, hey, Austin Eckler is going way too low. You, uh, he had 132 carries last year, which is pretty typical um, for the amount that he was normally getting around one 150 to 180. Uh, he did miss some games. Due to injury, so or or not only that, but um, he, you know, Melvin Gordon came back, which significantly dipped into his fantasy production. But if you're looking on a week to week uh, basis, Travis, um, this guy has everything that you need. He's he's elusive. He he can get the ball to you know he he knows where he needs to get the ball or needs to be in order to create those separation plays and get those big chunk plays. And I think that. He is going to be one of the pieces that they are going to need to uh, get involved in this offense to really move it uh, because you're you're going to have Tyrod Taylor there or, you know, you're going to have a rookie quarterback. And so they are going to need to get Eckler involved significantly. They did go out and get Josh Kelly in the draft, which should be more of the goal line back is what I'm thinking. Uh, but, you, you know, you're never worried about Eckler really scoring goal line carries only that was scored three touchdowns as as a rusher last year so right not a big and he's finished as the number four running back in all of ppr uh scoring so he's the number four running back and he only scored three rushing touchdowns so to johnny's point here you know i think the fear comes in that people think he's going to be this 
Darren Sproles type scat back or Danny Woodhead's type scat back. He needs to be more compared to a guy like Alvin Kamara than anything. Yeah. Because he's the guy that is part of the offense in that way, but the offense really runs on that style of play. And he's very elusive and very efficient. And he's been doing it now for the better part of three years uh, in, in spurts. And I think he's getting disrespected and, and let him like, honestly, like let him go in the third round. And, and you know, I would be comfortable even taking him in the, in the late second yeah, uh, at this 100%. point because like you, you can get him and then ride him as a guy that's probably going to end up at least an RB one. Travis carry. I was sorry. My computer was like being a little slow earlier when I wanted to bring <laughs> this up, but with the carries week one, 12 carries, he had 154 total yards on 12 carries uh, and then six receptions. So 18 total. He will make up the touches in the reception area. So, yeah. you know, very little, very, he only had, he only had over 13 carries twice last year uh, from yeah. the running back position. He makes it up with the adding of the targets. And, um, you know, he had over 100 receiving or over 100 total yards several times last year. So, yeah, I think once again, it's like about that efficiency, the elusiveness, the way the offense is going to work. They've the, the coaches have come out and said they want to use Justin Jackson and use Josh Kelly more. And, and yeah. I get that. But they're they're It's going to be hard for them, especially with Tyrod Taylor taking over. It's going to be hard for them to turn away from a guy like Eckler when he's going to continuously move the chains for them and yeah. be a safety net. Um, so continue to rock with Austin Eckler. I think he's a guy that's being undervalued big time. Uh, moving on to, you know, lower down in ADP to another guy that's probably being undervalued in a big way is David Montgomery. He's being drafted currently at the 4.08 position position. So, Johnny, what is it going through, you know, the fantasy football community's minds right now? I mean, obviously, these are subject to chain. We're change. We're only barely into, you know, the end of May, the beginning of June. So these are going to go and fluctuate. But what is going are, are people still burned by Montgomery and his his weirdness in the Nagy offense last year? It's definitely that. It's definitely the fact that we had hyped him up so much last year. To fa- we thought he was going to be a top 10 running back. And, you know, to the point where there was really the co- competition between Josh Jacobs and, and David Montgomery and who was going to be the first running back rookie taken off the board in redraft leagues. Um, hopefully you went with Josh Jacobs over David Montgomery. But David Montgomery had a decent season he got a lot of touches in the in the red zone. You got a lot of goal line work. That's what you like, Travis. And this is going to be his second year in the league. But you're looking at some of these game stats, Travis. 18 carries week two. Uh, week four, 21 carries. Week eight, 27 carries. Um, I mean, this guy, week 14, 20 carries. This guy is going to get more touches this year. Uh, I think this offense is going to be a lot more uh, a lot more fluid with with Nick Foles, I I think Nick Foles is going to come in and take this this job away from Mitch Trubisky, and Nick Foles will be able to be move this ball down the field. They'll be in more scoring opportunities. They like David Montgomery there. They just he wasn't quite ready to take on that full load that they really wanted last year. Um, and you yeah, know, it's funny that you bring up these these games, right? You said week 17, 23 carries against the Vikings, uh, week 14, 20 carries against the Cowboys, yeah. even week 13, 16 carries against the Lions. You look at uh, 17 carries against the Lions in week 10, 21 carries against the Vikings in week four. You know what all those games have in common? The Bears won all those games. 
So if we're talking about games that like they need to win and they need to focus on the run, like that is what if they want to win, which I hope they don't because I'm a Packers fan. <laughs> and I hope they just continue to suck. But I think there's a, there's some logic here. If Nagy's looking at last year, they get Nick Foles and they want to be a better offense. I think that has to start and end with David Montgomery. We talked about last year what made David Montgomery so great is was his like elusiveness, right? He could break tackles, evaded tackles last year. He had 75 of them, Johnny, even on games with limited carries like we talked about he had 75 evaded tackles that was good for number 13 in the league his juke rate was 28.1 percent also good for 13th in the nfl last year on a guy once again that was getting limited touches those are good numbers to see that's what translates that's the talent that could go to the next level and if you are watching your league mates sleep on dave montgomery don't wake him up like yeah keep 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 drafting David Montgomery right around that range because you're gonna it's gonna pay big dividends. So moving on, being drafted at the same exact spot at 408 is Kenyon Drake. This is Johnny's boy, Kenyon Drake. Uh, and look, Drake, you know he started from the bottom in Miami and now he's here in Arizona where he's just killing it. I for never him. doubted the boy. Never doubted. Yeah. <laughs> he is. Uh, he he came over in that trade last year and really just torched. Uh, the opposing defenses in that Cliff Kingsbury offense. So, Johnny, what has got you most excited about Kenyon Drake? Is it the fact that he's going to have the full slate of the offense come in as their lead guy? You know, David Johnson's gone. This is Kenyon Drake's time to shine. Or is it just, you know, Drake's talent and his ability? I think it's 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 a definitely a combination of both that has me excited. And the reason why I think that he is going so, you know, in those middle rounds or later than he should be, I, I think his true value is honestly late second, early third is probably where I put his true value. Travis, people want to to knock him because they're like, oh, well, we never saw this in Miami and this is a one year thing. And no, people, we have been seeing this down in Miami. They're just <laughs> so incompetent down there that they don't yeah. know how to run the ball and they don't know how to give the ball to their best playmaker in Drake. If you go back and you look at his 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 analytics, he was the most elusive running back over a three-year span, and I'm not talking about, no, we're going to pick through just a, a, a few, you know, big-name running backs and say he's more loose. No, he was up there with Todd Gurley when Todd Gurley was killing it. He was up there with David Johnson when David Johnson was killing it. He just wasn't getting the full workload to really say, oh, wow, this guy is really that good. Arizona saw it. They brought him here. People want to say, well, maybe that that backfield's a little bit more crowded. I'm not sure if they're going to give him the full amount of touches or if they're going to split it. I don't know what's going to go on there. Listen, they will give the, this backfield is Drake's backfield. Chase will get some touches. He's going to get touches. They'll they'll you know uh, spell uh, Kenyon Drake from time to time. But down the stretch, it totally tells the whole story here. Because Chase Edmonds was healthy, so was David Johnson, and they still, it didn't matter. You had 13 rushes, um, then you had uh, 11 in week 14, so a little bit down on that one. Uh, but he did get three targets in week 14. But then you look at 15, 16, and 17. Or, or 15 and 16, 22 uh, touches and 24 touches in week 16. This guy is going to be the bell cow. Don't be don't be worried about, you know, the Chase Edmonds noise. You will want to get Chase Edmonds. Don't get me wrong. But Travis, this guy it it just baffles me at at 
people don't want to buy in because they say, oh, it's just, yeah, I just a, a I, well, it's like half. one team drafts a guy doesn't really see his talent or, or maybe chooses to look the other way or chooses to use him in a role that isn't right. And I think now what we're seeing is like his talents coming to the surface. You talked about usage. Snap share was 72.4% last year. That was good for eighth in the NFL. We also had 68 targets. That was good for 12th in the NFL. We're talking about a guy once again, that was on limited usage because he got traded in the middle of the year. So we're like, he's putting up these numbers towards not being, you know, after not being used in Miami, but then being used in Arizona. I think that we need to look at Kenyon Drake. We, we need to look at the moves Arizona's made. They, you know, they didn't draft anyone with high, they drafted a running back, but not with very high capital this right. year. They lot, they less, they let David Johnson go in a trade, um, they only have Chase Edmonds, who does not prototypically, you know, he's not a prototypical every down back. We're talking about Kenyon Drake being the focal point of the rushing attack for the Cardinals, who are a team that looks poised to do some damage offensively this year. And that is somebody you want to have, especially going late in the fourth round. So speaking of David Johnson, we're going to talk about him next because he's being drafted, Johnny, at 601. Uh, which is kind of a shame for a guy who's going to replace Carlos Hyde, who we talked about earlier in Houston as the bell cow for this Houston offense. And if you just look at some of the moves Houston's made trading away uh, DeAndre Hopkins, you could say maybe they're going to try and not be a pass as pass heavy of a team and go even more into the run game, which means that should bode well for David Johnson's usage. Right, Johnny? So David Johnson is an all-around running back, right? We we know what he can do. We've seen him at his peak. We've seen him at his low in which he gets, you know, 3.2 yards per carry. But what do we do what do we know about Bill O'Brien, Travis? We know that Bill O'Brien is a he's a terrible GM. Well, he's a terrible GM, <laughs> but he's also a hard-headed GM. He he's also a hard-headed coach too, and that he wants everything to run his way similar to Bill Belichick, and he wants to be the smartest guy in the room every single time. And so do you think that he is going to trade for a running back that, you know, 99% of people are saying, listen, he's he's done, he's throwing in the tank, throwing in the towel, and you're going to trade for him? You don't think he's going to give that running back every chance possible to prove himself right? Of course he is. He's going to do that. You saw what he did last year with Carlos Hyde, which wasn't nearly the type of running back that David Johnson is even now, even even though David Johnson has regressed and not, you know, you're looking at some of the the carries and the, the yardage that you, you kind of yeah. see, you know, only 345 rushing yards last year, uh, but he could still get it done in the receiving for sure. 370 uh, receiving yards. Uh, and he had very limited touches once again because we talked about Drake, how he came in and really stole the show. Um, David Johnson, listen, I understand people have been burned and burned over the last two years with David Johnson. I get it. I totally do. But the fact that you're not paying, I mean, you're not paying. Go ahead. Well, over the last three years, yes, you've been burned. But one of those years, he finished his RB9. So yeah. like one of the years, people are like, they're so burned by him. But it's like, dude, he still was a top 10 running back. Yeah. I think people just got fell in love with the fact that he hit the mountaintop, right? He was this number one guy and almost, you know, had a thousand and a thousand. It was like shattering, you know, uh, expectations. And they wanted him to be that guy every year. But I love the point you made here. If Carlos Hyde could do what he did last year in this offense and, and they improved the line in any way. 
David Johnson is better right now as a running back, I'm sure of it, than Carlos Hyde was last year going in. Mm -hmm. And I think that in itself should have you excited about a running back, a starting running back for a you know an up-tempo offense going in the sixth round. Like that is ridiculous to me that David Johnson and and you know, I think we're even going to talk about some other guys that are even going later that it's just kind of baffling right now. Once again, we talked about well, that was number four. Going- that was our fourth running back that yeah. uh and the, and this list is just getting even juicier. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's about to get yeah, juicier. This one, this one is one that I, I, it's still kind of baffling. I think people are just still, you know, worried because he is a rookie. Um, but CEH, uh, you know, going to the Kansas City Chiefs uh, should be a big sign, especially when Andy Reid's coming out and comparing him to Brian Westbrook, saying that he's better. Um, so I just think we've got to look at this and say seventh round, really, uh, for a guy that's going to be on the you know, what projects to be the best offense in football. Uh, we've seen what Damian Williams, who is not a true prototypical running back, uh, can do in this offense with the swing passes, with the touchdown rate. Um, so CEH is really set up. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is set up here to be, you know, a dominant force, and he's going in the seventh round, Johnny. Yeah, this is a little bit shocking uh, that CEH would go in the seventh. Listen, I think this is just uh, the fantasy data is is continuing to catch up because people don't really know, hey, where should we be taking a, a rookie running back? Uh, one, especially that we're not necessarily positive on how much workload he's going to get. Uh, you know, the projections are kind of all over the place uh, if you're looking around at him. Um, but... CH is a guy that I'm telling you right now, he is going to come in and he is going to take the majority of those carries uh, and and the touches out of the backfield. They are going to throw to this guy. Not only that, the the amount of, of goal line work that he, he should see because Pat Mahomes, like we've said this stat before, that the running back, Behind Pat Mahomes, whatever running back that is with Pat Mahomes has averaged 1.7 touchdowns per game on average underneath Pat Mahomes. And let's say that CH averages half of that. You're going to you're looking at eight touchdowns uh, in that season and you're going to get, you know, between 200 and 250 touches for this rookie behind and that offense. Sign me up any any day of the week especially with the the players that are going around that are going to be, you know, that you're looking at wide receivers that are in like the fourth or fifth tier by that. And, you know, there are some gems there. Don't get me wrong. There are guys that I like in that and that round. But I'm telling you, if you go upside down and you grab early wide receivers because you want those elite guys at the you want the Michael Thomases, the the Devontae Adams, and then you want to grab CEH later, he will. I his value is going to change, so don't completely count on CH being a seventh rounder uh, come August and September. But I would grab him in a heartbeat, especially in a PPR league. This is absurd value. Yeah, what Damian Williams has done over the last year is proved that the touchdown upside alone for the running back in Kansas City is is through the roof. He had seven total touchdowns last year. That was good for 17th in the NFL, right? But if you're talking about a guy who only played 11 games last year, so he still was nearly top 15 in the NFL in touchdowns and only played in 11 games, which means if you take CEH and you essentially make him into Damian Williams, who is a younger, fresher, more dynamic version of Damian Williams in this offense, the upside is through the roof. Like this is a guy that could win you your league if the cards go right. And I think 
Getting him in the seventh is absurd. That's not going to continue to be the case. But we need to really talk about where you could take him. And I think as high as the third, and depending on how late you draft, you you know, you may end up being taking this guy in the second even yeah. because I think there is there is pure opportunity here. We'll have to see how the camp plays out and what happens with COVID, of course. But I think that there are situations here where you're drafting CEH almost in the second round. So just be ready to pounce depending on when you draft a couple rounds early or on CEH because your your league mates are going to go like, I don't know this rookie, but this guy is poised to be the heir apparent for a very, very, very potent offense. And don't be afraid to do that. Like, let's remember that. Two years ago, like Damian Williams was going in the second round. You had Kareem Hunt going in the second round. Like Kansas City Chiefs running backs go in the second round. That's fine. Mm -hmm. And be confident in that. Don't let someone scare you away because they say, oh, he's not going to get the full workload. And Andy Reid, you know, I heard this crazy thing that they were saying that Andy Reid doesn't go with one running back anymore. It's always been a timeshare. Well, that's because it's been a timeshare since they let go of Kareem Hunt because it was so unexpected of what he did and they had no other option. Like they don't have these running backs that are just super, you know, really, really good running backs that they invest high draft capital in. Like they they made it work. Now they go out. And here's the other story. They were they were trying to trade up to the 23 pick because they they were afraid Miami was going to take CH at 23. So Kansas City was actually trying to trade up to get CH. So yeah, they love this guy. They love I mean, this make guy. Make no mistake about it and I think if you don't start to learn why they love him, you're going to be without him this year and you're going to be watching your your league mates score a bunch of touchdowns with CH maybe against you. Yeah. And that's not that's not going to be fun. So All we right, just so gave we them couple, five running backs. Yeah, we got we got five. We gave you five value running backs at this point in the season for 2020. These are must own value picks. You've got to take a look at. Make sure they're on your board. Make sure you're ready. But we wanted to give you a couple we bonus. Just, we just couldn't stop at five. Uh, listen, we we're givers. We, we're, yeah. we're givers. It's what we do. So I, I want to start the bonus one with a guy that has been really bonus. climbing up. My, yeah, <laughs> has been really climbing up my draft board this year uh, so far and really has piqued my interest towards the end of last year and coming into this year. And that's Raheem Mostert of the San Francisco 49ers. He's being drafted in the seventh round, even later than CEH at 7.08. And I kind of think that's a little bit ridiculous, Johnny, based on some of the numbers that Mostert was able to put up last year. I mean, 5.3 yards per carry. That was the best in the NFL last year. 8.8% breakaway run run rate. That was also the best in the NFL with 12 breakaway runs. 6.3 yards per touch. Uh, that was number four. I mean, the guy was all over the place. Uh, he, he was just a speed demon whenever they gave him the ball. I mean, I watched my Packers just get obliterated by Raheem Mostert. Uh, you know, I think they averaged eight yards per carry in that playoff game. I think, um, what he's able to do in this offense with that line, with the way they're working the wide receivers around. And this one's big for me. Tevin Coleman got injured down the stretch, but wasn't very super productive when he was in there. And they watched Matt Breda, who was maybe the only guy that was very productive for them, walk away and go to Miami, right? So, they, so they've so they got Breda gone to Miami, and now they've got Mostert here, who was a guy they really relied heavy on, not only down the stretch, but into the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. So I think that proves loyalty there. You, you talk about the snap share wasn't very good, 36.4%, Johnny. So that scares you, but I think it's because of a guy like Breda who was there kind of siphoning off some some carries. 
Well, if you look down the stretch, Travis, from weeks 13 through 17, really, that's when they really started to lean on Mostert, right? Um, you're looking 66% uh, uh, snap share, uh, 63.3% snap share in, in week 14, 50% in 15 uh, 60% in week 16 and then 54% in week 17. So he is, he was getting his workload was, was massively improving. Like you said, they shift out Burita, but also let's remember this, like don't get scared away just because you're looking at these numbers and saying, Oh, well, he's only making, he's only playing on 50% of snap shares. Uh, so why would I want to invest in a running back like that? Especially one that's like a, a Shanahan type of uh, running back in which you might not know week to week, but the upside is just too tremendous, especially if you're only spending an eighth, ninth, 10th rounder on Raheem Mostert. Give me that all day long when you know that the that offense is going to run the ball. That's what they want to do. They're going to run the ball 35 times. So even Yeah, they if- had 2,305 yards as a team last year. That was second most in the NFL rushing the football. That is exactly, like Johnny said, that is exactly what they want to do. That's their MO. Their bread and butter is to run, pound the, pound the rock, and then play to their defense. And I think Moster is a perfect style for this offense. And and from weeks 12 to 17, Travis, he averaged at least one touchdown per game. So they trust him around the goal line. Like this guy yep. just has a nose for the end zone. So if anything, you've got the goal line running back for an offense that runs the ball and loves to run the ball in the red zone and gets the ball right. in the red zone a lot. So give me that guy yeah. in the 10th. If you think about the fact that uh, Coleman had the four touchdown game, and yet you still see Raheem Mostert get 10 touchdowns last year. Yeah. What does that tell you about this offense? What does it tell you about that opportunity? Listen, draft Mostert. Don't have any reservations about it. And once again, if he's still being drafted this late, by, by the time your draft comes along, be ready to take him a couple out rounds early because it's going to pay off in a big way. All right. Our final bonus late round running back here is Todd Gurley. Todd, the God Gurley, how he is. Uh, he's fallen from the ranks for sure. Uh, poor guy. <laughs> Got an arthritic knee and everybody forgot about him. But Todd Gurley moves on to Atlanta, goes home to Georgia. Uh, Georgia on his mind now, and he's going to play for the Dirty Birds. But Johnny's being drafted at 7.12, the the very end of the seventh round right now. Um, and tell people why that's a little bit frustrating, a little bit absurd that Todd Gurley would be going this late. So he is going outside of the top 25 running backs in, in drafts. And... Listen, I totally understand the concern with the arthritic knee. We don't know where it's at. Um, we even had another concerning article that came out a couple weeks ago uh, when the head coach came out and said, like, I'm not sure exactly where uh, Todd Gurley's knee is at. Like, what the health is? We haven't seen him because of COVID. That yeah. was really concerning when I first read that. <laughs> but then it's like, but wait a second. You guys weren't good at running the ball last year. You brought in Todd Gurley, and then you didn't draft a running back at all when there were plenty of opportunities for you to draft a running back. Something's not adding up here to me, and something smells fishy. And so to me, I'm going to I'm gonna wipe all that away, and I'm just going to think – I'm going to – I'm going to chalk it up as he's that's just coach talk for, you know, trying to get a little bit advantage on, uh, you know, the competition, maybe maybe thinking, oh, Todd Gurley's not what he's normally going to be. And and from that perspective, but I think Todd Gurley is going to be just fine. 
do I think he's going to be a top five running back this year? No. Do I think he has, you know, maybe a, a, a bottom, you know, running back 11, 12 finish? Absolutely. I think that that's in the realm of possibilities. I'll be honest with you right now. I statted out Todd Gurley last night and he was good to finish around RB 16 and a half point PPR league. So a guy that's going clearly outside the top 25 at the running back position. Uh, my initial rankings, I have them slated around uh, RB 16. Well, what would be what would finish as RB 16 this year in fantasy? So uh, I think, you know, 223 carries last year. He had 50 targets. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that he gets that this year in Atlanta. Because why not? They have him only signed for a one-year contract. Might as well use him up, even if who cares if he has an arthritic knee if you're only going to use him for a year, you know? I, yeah, I don't, I no, don't I think, buy I that think, narrative. I think that's the point. They were they were bottom five in the league last year, like you said, at running the ball. Uh, they did not get a lot of first downs from running the ball. They did not rush a lot in the red zone. They did not convert a bunch of for, um you know third downs by running the ball that this was a team that struggled in a mighty way to run the ball and part of that was devonta freeman's in an unsuccessful venture last year part of it was the the depth around them and what did they do they showed us what they did they went and signed a guy that last year had 14 total touchdowns at the running back position which was good for fifth in the nfl um todd Gurley still had some juice based on just usage last year yeah so if you think that he's fine enough to be used as a starter running back the falcons do too and they're going to use him as such and i think that is a valuable piece you look at where you were taking devonta freeman last year I believe it was the third third uh, fourth round yeah so if you're taking him there and you're saying that i can get todd Gurley in the seventh or the you know beginning of the eighth that's that's wrong it's got to right. be more towards the fourth and fifth it's and got like that that is going to climb up and you should feel okay about that because Gurley. it's kind of like the carlos hyde david johnson thing yeah, exactly i really I do believe that Todd Gurley is better right now than Devonta Freeman was going into last year. And so you need to feel better about drafting Todd Gurley than you did last year drafting Devonta Freeman. And I'm telling you, be confident in the carries and the touches lead you go to where the touches are going and where the value is. This is why we like doing mock drafts. We like looking at this kind of data because it's like this is where you find your your value picks and Todd Gurley is definitely one, like you said, we know he's going to get over 250 touches. Like as long as obviously if his knee completely breaks down, but like you said, snap share was at 76% last year, which was good for yeah. six among running backs. So he's yeah. got to be somewhat healthy, right? Yeah, no, I think, I think we saw last year that, yeah, they eased him in a little bit, but then they just started using him and he didn't completely break down. He yeah. wasn't, you know, flashy and, and knock you off the But it was also like that line. That line was terrible. But, yeah, interior line issues with the Rams. And so I think, you know, you're looking at a Falcons team that's used a lot of capital on the offensive line over the last few years. And you're looking at a team that seems to be invested in at least running Todd Gurley into the ground for this year. And if you're in redraft leagues, that's a good sign yeah. for a value running. And back. you don't think that Todd Gurley wants to, has a chip on his shoulder and wants to prove to LA that, that they let him go and and it's absolutely. in Atlanta that's his hometown that's absolutely his... the, the storyline for this one it doesn't get much juice here no all right so that's it guys we gave you five must own value picks at the running back position for 2020 we also gave you two bonus ones yeah. you want to we also gave you we want to just run through them real quick one more time yeah yeah so we started with Austin Eckler David Montgomery Kenyon Drake David Johnson Clyde Edwards, Elaire, Raheem Mostert, and Todd Gurley. That's our seven 
value, must-own value picks right now as it stands where ADP is. We're really digging that value, and you guys need to have them on your radar. Chelsea, how do we do today? I really appreciate the bonus rounds because you, like, you know, pitched this as five, and that was a really big deal, and then you gave us an extra two. That was fun. Yeah, it's like um, if, if you made it all the way, you got a little treat at the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a good episode. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks. I always, I always feel great I'm when you know, bring our, us a, and the woman behind the glass just says we have a great episode. It always makes you feel great. Yeah. It, well, what I'm here for. pride cometh before the fall, Johnny. So <laughs> keep it humble. No, I'm just kidding. Well, guys, Whisper Nation, we want to know what you guys are thinking. Let us know via social media which guys are your must-own value uh, running backs out there. And, and as always, if you want any fresh content, head over to thefantasywhispers.com. Get signed up for our mailing list over there. We've got plenty plenty of content coming. Draft Kit is right around the corner. We're going to have a pre-sale uh, ability for that coming in June. So we're really excited about that. Giving Johnny. away cards tonight uh, yeah. on Wednesday. Um, and we these aren't this is not going to be our only card giveaway. It is going to get uh, – we are going to continue this. So make sure you stick with us if you want to win some football cards. And the best way to get with those giveaways is to add us on social media at the Fantasy Whispers on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, make sure you're you're with us on all those platforms. For Johnny Game Time Hicks, the woman behind the glass, Chelsea Byers. I am Big Travi, and we are the Fantasy Whispers. We're out. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers.